You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Are you a geek? Do you like naming things? My name is Scott Rubin, and I wrote the ultimate guide for geeks to name anything, whether you're naming kids, your pets, your car, your Wi-Fi network, or your role-playing game characters. Naming Your Little Geek has almost 1,100 name entries, and I tell you where the name came from, if it's a real name or if it's a fictional name, all of the characters who have had that name, and I reference over 4,400 characters from science fiction, fantasy, comic books, movies, TV shows, cartoons, you name it, it's all in there. And it ranges from normal sounding names like Scott or Jessica to really off-the-wall bizarre ones from all of our favorite fantasy and sci-fi properties. You can pick up a copy of Naming Your Little Geek at bubblesandthingssoaps.com and check out all the other cool items there. Some really neat soaps. Naming Your Little Geek is also sold everywhere books are sold online, and you can even find it in some physical bookstores if you're a person who shops in physical stores these days. Sans Nick. Exactly. Nicholas. Nicholas Masu. Right. You know Nick Masu. I know Nick Masu. Your character in Heartbeats really loved Nick Masu's character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you gave my character in Heartbeats a run for her money when it came to that character. Yeah, fortunately, I got transferred to another hospital, or I left to go to another hospital. You're following. So, you're following uh, Dr. Cameron Fuller's heels. Well, because he and I were both fed up with this particular hospital's drama, so we're, I don't, we're, you know, I'm getting a fresh start. But that just means whenever we return, we're gonna have even more status. You're gonna really have to look out for me. I'm really nervous. I, yeah. I, I I'm really nervous. Um. So, uh, I have the pleasure of no know- knowing you very well. I think <laughs> the the audience <laughs> knows you very well too. Um, but who are you? What do you do? Why? What? What's happening in this podcast today? Well, I don't really know. I'm excited. I think you're going to ask me some questions. Um, I'm drinking some coffee, so if you ever hear little sips, here I'll do one for you. Great. This, this is going to be kind of weird. That sounds great. That was yeah. great. That was Thanks. great, uh, Foley. Thank you. Um, so I'm a I'm a, an actor, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes writer, sometimes director, uh, always mommy these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Uh, nature lover, hugger of trees, native plant grower, um, pretty darn good cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, voiceover, uh, voiceover on camera stage plays, you name it. Uh, Lately, it's been mostly voiceover, and um, I do a lot of weird stuff when I'm doing voiceover. A lot of zombies and creatures. You get a lot of creature creature roles. Yeah, and then um, most recently, they had me do uh, VO for uh, one of the Love, Death, and Robot uh, shorts this year. Uh, for the night of the mini dead, 
And in that, they sped up all of our voiceover to be very, very fast because everyone's super tiny. Have you seen it, Jessica? No, I have not. It's very funny. And I'm in it a couple of times. I am the girlfriend at the beginning that kicks off the zombie apocalypse. I'm sorry. Um, And then I am a bunch of those zombies. And then I'm also a mom loading her kids into the the family car. And I say something like, Forget about dad. He, we, we lost him. Just get in the car, kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a, it's pretty funny because it's all like super, super, super high pitch because it's all sped up. But um, I, I worked on that for a, a good long time. And when I was booked on it, this is a little backstory. When I was booked on it, they said it was scratch. But they ended up just using the scratch recording as the final because it was all sped up. So it was... It was uh, one of those things where you don't know where it's going, and then, and then like so many, cool, like many of the voiceover things I've done, in a certain sense, it it is both voiceover performance that becomes sound effect. Mm. Um, you know, like I was the voice of the the vocal performance of the zombie queen in um, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Um, and so like, you know, that's layered, that's me. Yes. And you can definitely hear me in there, but then there's other things that they're putting with that sound to make it sound otherworldly. You know, there's more than there's, there's a lot you can do with your, with your voice, but they, they want more. They want more than, than one could make. I do love though, that they're, they're using you as the base because that is still inspiring them. Well, yeah. And I mean, that would be the case anyway, if you think about a zombie, the base would be a human throat, and then whatever has happened in the chemical, physical metamorphosis, metamorphosis, metamorphosizing zombieifying process. Well, and there's there's only so many different ways zombies can sound too that hasn't oh, already been done. Uh, oh, <laughs> and what's so weird is that I did I just set you up almost, to no almost every time I go in to do a zombie they're like so we want to do a zombie that you've never heard before exactly. our zombies are new zombies and so I've done all I mean I've done like that but you create that right <laughs> you know like that kind of but then there's like Walking Dead zombies and then I was on Freakish and I you know they went to <laughs> They want to, like, much more bitey and hissy and, <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. And, and then with the the queen, she was a lot of, like, <laughs> like, a lot of, like, screeches and I don't know why. But it works. But, you know, so that's the stuff I do. And then, and then I can also be a kid and I can, you know, be a woman. I, I do have a, 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 hi, I'm a woman. And I can be a woman. And I can be a squirrel. Well, the best thing is, is when your friends that you love actually mm-hmm. create content that you can enjoy. Mm. And Box Peak oh, is... Oh, yeah, Box Peak. I don't... I probably talk about that once a month, try to get people to watch it once a month. I, I need to rewatch it. It's, it's pretty cute. It's so good. Jordy Defective Jordy Defective I, I give you a run for your money on that character. Um, can I help you? You're looking off into the distances, though. I just was looking at a text message. Oh, okay. From my husband. Oh, very good. Um, well, and your husband does some voices in that one. He um, does. Yeah. I, occasionally in my chat, someone will 
will say, cease this, <laughs> which is my favorite thing. It, the reason I mentioned Box Peak is because you do all the all of the female voices. Yeah, that was, um, I think there might be one. Yeah, because, uh, 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 um, Elise Willems. Oh, oh, is in okay. it in the episode uh, where we're all like the um, like the Ultron fighters, fighters. Yeah, 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 in the alternate uh, universe. Yeah, in the alternate universe. So she's one of those. Uh, I, I thought you did the voice for that too. No, also. but okay. I did all the other all the other women. That episode is upsetting. <laughs> it is. That's an upsetting episode. The yeah. whole series is upsetting. Me. Yeah, it's the f- hey guys. <laughs> it's the fucking worst. And then, I, oh, I don't even want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't listened to it. We'll talk about it another time. But the, but what Kazomi does, and then how the show ends, it's so upsetting. Well, it's a, it's, it just shows you Kyle has a very dark, mm-hmm. dark sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go watch it. It's on YouTube. But that's what Box I'm saying. It's peak. P e e k. P e one word. E k. P e e k. Yeah. One word. It, it that's what I'm saying. It's like it's, I'm so proud that I can go check out this fucking awesome thing that my friend does, uh. and it's so good. Did you ever watch Bamp Girls Club? Bamp Girls Club. No, I think I tried to, but it. I think I didn't have a lot of context for the majority of the women. In, oh, but now you do. So at the time, now I do. So I now can you probably do. So go, go back. back. I think you'd okay. like it. Yeah, and um, then you get to see Eliza and me do our like comedy stuff our our baby we just met each other comedy thing so cute yeah i mean and eliza does amazing stuff too she's just killing it as well yeah um it doesn't hurt to have amazing friends Mm -mm. that uh, and i've told you this before but when i look at the some parts of the women that i'm close to like yourself i can at least put myself in the mean average of that. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you're at least that kind of person. Uh. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice to know that I'm at yeah. some sort of level that it's attracted this kind of amazing. Um, so. Oh, that's very sweet, Jessica. It's, it's true. Uh, so you, you named a hundred things you've cooked for me. Well, and I think you, do you know that this podcast is supposed to be about generational differences? Yeah. I am older than you. Not much. Not by much. I think it's. I think it's a drop in the bucket. But you're still technically a millennial, aren't you? No. What? You're not a Gen Xer. No, I think I am a Zennial. Is what they call us. Which apparently the people don't want Zennial to be a term, but apparently Nick is a Zennial. Right. Well Nick and I, Nick and I are are contemporaries. Yeah, contemporaries. Yes. Would be the word I would yeah. use. Uh, but you are you're so much more in touch. Six. Six. So I am. Closer to six Nick. Six years older than you. Right. But that's so a drop when, in the bucket. When you were born, I was six. Uh, you were so cool, man. Wait, you were born in the 70s? What? Yeah, I know. It just, just eked it out. Just eked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I still think people, like the 80s now feels like a long, long time ago. No, what really bothers me is that people were born in, like, 2000 and they're adults. Yeah. It's, well. That, that's the one. That's the one that really, that really gets it me. It hurts. It hurts. I'm like, no, you could, no, that doesn't work. 
you're a baby because <laughs> 2000 was yesterday and it was not. Uh, it, and it feels like ago. 2000 was not 20 years ago. It does but actually, not. But actually, if you really look back on it, like now I look at the early 2000s, like, wow, that was still like the 90s. Like, like there was this, <laughs> the early 2000s, like fashion and like that time period was so funny. And I just moved to LA and like I would shop on Melrose and I would wear the weirdest things. Like, oh do you ever watch God. Buffy? And, like, yeah. the clothes that she'd wear. Like, I was wearing, like, these, like, crop top things that would tie in the back and, like, leopard print pants. And, like, what? I know what you're like, talking this about. This is my normal look for today. <laughs> studded belts. stringy. Yes. Studded belts. Yeah. Yeah. At, at hoping that your thong was peeking out because that was the style. Oh, I didn't. I never did that, but absolutely that was That was, was thing, definitely yeah. part of the style. You definitely had a body more attuned for that style than I, I did. I didn't know it. I never knew it. I never well, appreciated it. Well, but still, you wouldn't have worn crop tops if you didn't sort of know it. Well, I, tr- I was trying. And um, I was always a bit shy about it, but I felt like I had to because of Hollywood. Um, I had this one pair of jeans... And they were so perfect. They were so perfect. And the very first SAG film I was on, I wore them as wardrobe, and they got lost in the shuffle. I... They were they were like the sisterhood of the traveling. They, they were just perfect. They had like, but but it's funny because if I can find a picture, they've got like crazy pockets. <laughs> Come down like, with crazy pockets. Pockets, like pockets, nothing pockets. You, nothing What's you in our pockets? Today. Squirrels. <laughs> Do you have squirrels in your pockets right now? <laughs> I mean squirrels. Um, no, I, I. So that leads me to my a question. I'm what ready. Would you, what era would you say you like blossomed in? Would like, like, would you say you're a '90s baby? Would you say you're like an '80? Are you a tw- '2000s baby? Like, is that was that your era when you were like cool and kicking it? I don't think I've ever I'm I'm cool now apparently. You are uh, cool now. You're actually but, super cool right now. But like um <laughs> I've never felt that. Like I've always been But there's heydays. Don't we have like hey like like what you never I, felt like you were in the pocket for an era or something or like I'm just your really touch, present, you your, know. Okay. In the moment. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I've never thought about that. I've always thought my era was like the 40s or <laughs> no, really like, you know, like, like I, I have that like classic 40s look. I've done that era a lot on stage. So that's when I look like really good <laughs> is in that style. You know, I can, I, I look, I can clean up, but like you put me in the 40s, I look really good. That or medieval but not you like real, not medieval. real medieval, fake, fun, pretend medieval. Yes, yes, yes. Like ladies' court or jester or. <laughs> yeah, what's ladies' court? Like you're the you're in the you're in the queen's court. Like you're like part oh. of like the duchess. I don't know. Oh, okay. Like like yeah. I see We're putting you in. It's like tonight on ladies' court. Uh, uh, I kind of <laughs> like that idea. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the idea? My cool suit is too tight, and it's all her fault. <laughs> it's her fault. No, it's her fault. And they be hey, 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 ladies' court is now in session. 
Please rise from your tuffets. <laughs> I love it because they have no agency whatsoever, but this is what they can argue. We have no agency, but we have our own court. We do. We do. The fashion is not this. Um, did I ever tell you Trent Trail's, I think it was Trent Trail's idea for a show that I should do? Was it Ladies' what? Court? No, but it's close. Dun, dun. What? What's the verdict? Verdi- what's the verdict? <laughs> verdict. Yeah. So what's the, the verdict on Ladies' Court? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a, that's, I green light that one. I think I fully green light that yeah. one. So, like, the thing is, though, that's, uh, you have accomplished so much, but that's also the bane of your existence. Would you not say that? <laughs> You're looking at me perplexed. You do a lot of things. You like to be accomplished at a lot of things. Mm. But aren't you exhausted? Well, what an interesting, what an interesting thing to talk about. Um, this is something that I think many of us in our modern world struggle with, which is that the striving, that we're constantly striving and looking to the future and not in the present of what we are doing now. Mm-hmm. And for myself, I definitely spent my time from 19 to 38 striving and thinking about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and thinking, okay, when I get that next thing, then mm-hmm. I will have gotten to a point in my career where I can relax, where I could start a family, where I can take a vacation, where I can feel like I fit in with other actors, right? Always these, these until qualifiers and, and yet at the same time, the more I lived in that feeling, the more I knew that that wasn't a sustainable place to exist and so there's this push and pull that i've always had of um coming back to my core values coming back to uh art coming back to practice uh nature family and making sure that i'm not always in this place of like well i can't leave the house i have to sit here and stare at imdb and compare myself to other actors otherwise i won't get anything done in my career which is definitely something that I have done on many occasions, um, which I think lots of people can say they have done. And I think in our age of social media, it's even worse because you scroll through Twitter and you see like, oh, 10 of my colleagues have a job they're promoting this week. I never work. Scroll, 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 scroll. What if I never work again? Scroll, 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 you know? And so it gets worse and worse and worse. Well, now you've spent 30 minutes on that. What else could you have been doing and so this is this is the push and pull. And I actually, am, I just finished a book called 4,000 Weeks that I cannot recommend more highly because it was sort of like all of these thoughts were sort of loose in my head. And I read this and I was like, oh, there it is. That's what I, that's what I needed. Um, because your life is whatever you're doing right now. And you don't know if you're going to get to do anything else past right now. And so whatever you do 
is who you are. So do things that you like. Do things that, that now obviously you do have to do things that you don't like, like going to doctor's appointments and, you know, like um, other, th- other things. There are many things that we have to do that we don't like to do. But when you have that opportunity to decide what to do with your time and the options are, you know, something that will leave you feeling empty or something that will feel, you know, leave you feeling more fulfilled, you might want to choose the thing that makes you more fulfilled. Or you might want to consciously choose to, like, you know, scroll on Twitter for 20 minutes because it's fun. Um, So... I have accomplished a lot because I'm very dedicated towards getting things, like towards movement. I'm very dedicated towards um, saying, here's a goal, and now I've broken it down into little action steps, and then I take little steps forward until suddenly, oh, I've made it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the, the, the problem is that if you're always looking to the goal, then you don't ever get to enjoy the achievements. So for many years, I would just say like, well, okay, well, I, I did that, but that's, that's done now. That's nothing. So next, what's the next thing? And so bane of my existence, I don't know. It just is my existence, you know? And so there's pluses and minuses. I've gotten a lot, a lot done. I've gotten to work with amazing people. Um, I've just given myself a lot of grief over the years, uh, perfectionism and, that's what I was trying to get you Insecurity, you know, I was like trying to get you to cop are, to that. Like, what, perfectionism? Yeah. But, but you have to understand, I'm really not. That's the funny part, is, is like, I do. As she cries. No, I'm not crying. I'm, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> Let's get it exactly right. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know. This is the point in the podcast where somebody's going to comment like, I like Amanda, but gosh, this part's annoying. Um, not, oh, my God. Yeah. Not at all. Your insecurity is showing its head. It's – I'm going to stop pause <laughs> you because not, you're not the only person that has in different ways criticized the interesting – like as, as to whether something is going to be interesting or not in Oh, the no. Podcast. I think all of that was interesting. I just meant that, like that laugh I just did was really annoying. Oh, well, fuck you, that. You can keep this in. Yeah, I don't no, care. I, I'm going to keep this in, too, because fuck them. Keep it. But anyway. Stop it. Perfectionism. <gasps> oh, no. I you said a bad word. word. Mm-hmm. Can you bleep that, though, for me? No. I can. You want me to? But with, or... like, a boing or something or, like, a, a silly sound. <sighs> Gosh. All right. Thanks. I'm going to keep this part, too. Yeah. Um, okay. Bleep um, F. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, long story short, definitely not a perfectionist. Also, I don't have any control issues. No, not at all. Well, I but, think it's but, some... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, but the point is, the more you are aware of behavior and patterns, the less you allow them to tell you what you are. So, yes, I have those behaviors and patterns, but... They don't make me feel bad. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I do, I do go, oh, that's done. That's good enough. That's good. I'm done there. Yes. You know, and lately with having had a child and gone through 
going, I've gone through, I mean, this part. You've run the gamut of late, ways of to late, be a mom. Of late, there's been quite a few challenges, and all of those just make all of this even more clear, which is just like, nobody is thinking about your, about you as much as you think about you, ever. No one is. No one is. They are thinking about themselves way more than they're thinking about you. So if you write an email with a typo in it, they aren't going to remember that. They're not going to go like, oh, I like that Amanda, but whoosh. 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 There was that one time. Although I, I do think that if you constantly write emails with, you know, no capitalizations or punctuation um, and lots of typos, that that could, that could become your style. That being said, though, some of the most, quote unquote, powerful women I've ever dealt yeah, with. They don't have time for that. They don't. They don't have, have time for that. They don't give a fuck. They don't, because really, again, at the end of the day, what does that do? Does that does that does taking time to add punctuation and or whatever or double check what you've written get you know does that give you the time then to go and like paint or whatever it is that you'd rather be doing? No, I mean I like it because I like the written word and I like reading. So to me, it's important. To me, everything I write. I want it to to be. You want it to reflect. Yeah, and I'm I'm a bit of a and I'm a bit of a poetic person by nature. Right. So I like. You I want like to present to that side well. of yourself. I do. I do. I I get it, but then at the same time, I've seen people that we know, and I'm like, wow, this person didn't even take a second glance at this email yeah. and doesn't care, and, and we care. still respect the fuck out yeah, of that absolutely. person. Absolutely, the f the bleep out of that person. Bleep, um, bleep, boing, boing. I can. I'm just gonna take that sound and put it on <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think perfectionism is the bane of your existence. I do see you're so good at managing that part of your personality, though, that you can also help other people when it becomes oh. a detriment in their life. Thank you. I do want to say that I used to think of it as managing, and now I think of it as releasing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But thank you. Um, managing it takes ooh a lot of work. That's almost work. too much energy, which it's is way con- too much contrary energy. to the point you're trying to make, which is be present and uh, yeah. like accept. Because, like, I have my own things that I don't love about myself, and the majority of it is like self-centeredism, and that manifests in different ways. Like, all I do is just talk about myself, or <laughs> forget to wish people happy birthday, or whatever. Um, it's just not my it's not my forte. And either you accept- I, I mean, I don't know. I think you're being a little hard on yourself, but go on. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. The the birthday thing I'm kind of kidding about. Like if yeah, you I know, are mad at me, if you're mad I do I do forget very important people's birthdays in my life all the time. It's just something I forget. But I also know that the people that I love that love me don't give a fuck if I remember their birthday or not. Or I want you to remember my birthday. I know, but you invite me to your party, so that's pretty helpful. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's helpful. Right? To do I'm that. I'm not going to be passive aggressive about that. I, no. I would, like, I would like you to acknowledge that it's my birthday. Yes. And I want you to come and celebrate me. October 18th? Yeah. I did it! Good job. Amanda, I'm so bad at that. Yours is in May. Uh-huh. But I don't remember what day specifically. That's okay. 11th? 
Yeah, you got it. Woo! 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 My favorite birthday that we did was when we went to Disneyland. That was fun. That was a great, exhausting birthday. <laughs> it was just downtown well, we just Disney. just went downtown West. Disney. Yeah, it was exhausting. But that was but nice. But how nice was it eating at um, the New Orleans, New Orleans rest- yeah. It was so it was nice. And we got and we to see the, the fireworks. fireworks. It's really nice. It was so – but I have that picture of us still, like, getting back on the tram. Because we had just taught or performed well, we at UC Irvine. We didn't get on the tram to go back. Not the tram. The um, we got on the car thing to take us to the parking lot. Not the tram. That's the tram, but why would we have gotten we took on that. that? We didn't I don't just know. walk from the parking lot. No, because we were exhausted. Huh. I don't remember that. Not as exhausted as when you ran a half marathon with me, though. We did. We do drove that. there. What time did we leave? Three a.m. Because we the the, 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 ran, the run started, started at four like thirty. No, I think it started at. We, we I think we had to be. It was in, dark. Lined up at like four thirty. It was dark. Yeah. Because we so were we, done by eight a.m. nine a.m. We did at the half marathon, the Marvel half the marathon, Marvel half marathon at Disney. Yeah, one of the last run Disney events in in Anaheim. They do have a new name for them, and they are doing oh, marathons really? again. Are they? Yeah. Sweet. There was like, there's a whole thing. So we have to take a look into it because okay. I would do it again. Yeah, me too. Um, but man, I would have to really train. And I would actually train I, this time too. Yes. Highly recommended. <laughs> I did not train, but you I ran. ran it. You ran with me once like for five miles. Did I, think I you even did do one that? Five, I think you did one five mile run with me on the beach. And then. Oh, that's right. And then. And I hated that. And then you were like, okay, I'm ready to. <laughs> and you did it. Mile nine hits you and you're just like, whoosh. I want this to be nine is such a critical point because it's still quite a ways to go till you're done. Yeah, it's a but mental you're game. Close at that enough. Point. You're close enough that you can picture it. It's a mental game at that point. Yeah. They were there were people who on the side of the road were giving off like drinks or whatever. There was like licorice, and I was thrilled about that. But then someone was giving bacon, and that was the best. Oh, yeah, I still remember the taste that of that was bacon. Nice. It was, that was nice. It's actually really smart because that's a like fun one. a little bit of salt and a little yeah. bit of protein. It was real good. One of my favorite things that I've gotten in one of my long-term, uh, long-distance things that I've done, I did the, the with Brandon, the Avon 39. Ooh, and you wow. walk you walk 39 miles over the course of two days, and it's for breast cancer research. Hmm. And the first day... I thought they broke it in half. I thought you do half and half. But what it actually is is a marathon on the first day and then a half marathon the second day. Whoa. And we did not. So your, your mind we, was we not. Had run, we had run some 10-mile runs before that, but we had not really trained. And we also hadn't trained for walking. And walking is different from running. Uh, and my IT band got so tight I could just feel it like snapping in my body and I'd had some kind of crazy cold. So I was on like multiple different kinds of like cold medicines and antibiotics and an Advil. And I mean, by the time we got to the base, to the camp, at the, I mean, we were hobbling, hobbling. Wow. Yeah. But there was this amazing chiropractor who fixed me. And the next day I felt like awesome. And so we did it. But then we drove back, Brandon drove back to Venice from Santa Barbara that day oh my god yeah and we'd camped on the ground 
because that's what you do is you you walk to this campground and then they have all these pink tents and then you camp and then this sounds yeah. awful it's very hard but you know what's harder fucking breast cancer, breast cancer. yes I understand. so that's you know so uh that's all part of it but um anyway one of the, my favorite things that they handed out on that is when you're walking for such a long time your fingers start to get like really like swollen and kind of salty crusty weird feeling and they were handing out these unscented baby wipes just to wipe our hands off oh I, and they were cold like i can't even tell you what an awesome like this was somebody who knew and we were like baby wipes yes I'm wipe my hand off feels good that is amazing that's that's really smart yeah. i was explaining to my boyfriend that one of the oh! best i know one of the best experiences i've ever had mm-hmm eating ice cream Uh is experiencing a cool sip of water after eating ice cream. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Mm -hmm. So the Baskin Robbins Mm -hmm. by my house had a fountain Mm. that served piping cold. (laughs) Piping cold. You heard me. Piping cold water faucet water that Mm. you would just, I would eat my chocolate sundae and Mm. then go straight for that. And then, mm. like, stay there for two minutes because mm. it was the there was nothing like the taste because water cuts down that creamy fatty stuff perfectly. And it, I don't know, it's 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 like the other part of it is I couldn't eat enjoy milk unless I had a cookie with it. Like I will never just have a sip of milk. If you give a Jess some milk, she might ask for a cookie. Right. And if you give her a cookie, who knows she might what ask, happen next? She might she might ask for a bed. <laughs> <laughs> She went out for, for a sip of water. Yeah. And ice cream. Yeah. So, like, my mouth needs certain things in order for other things to taste good with. Uh huh. But uh-huh. Then, they, then they got rid of the water fountain and then they started charging for water. And it was very upsetting. Charging for water? Like, they bottled water. Because uh, they didn't have to legally provide you with water because it's not they a restaurant. Do. No. Don't they? And not a restaurant. I feel like they have to give you a cup of water if you ask for it. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I didn't. Think, I remember mm, asking. That's not real, getting. That's real. Hmm. Not mm. getting. Well, that's sad. Some of the best water I ever had was pumped directly out of the earth in Kansas, with a pump style well, and this Girl Scout camp. And there was like a sign that was like, "Do not drink the well water." But we were like, "Ha ha! It's fresh!" And we totally <laughs> drank the well water, and it was so good. Why don't you drink the well water? Well. Uh, it could she's be she's a poet people I see I see it could be contaminated and it could could have bacteria in it right I and see. so while for many 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 centuries people would dig holes in the ground and drink water out of them uh, in our modern world we found that sometimes cleaning that water is a better idea than drinking it directly but it all depends on where you are and how good the aquifer is. And it was, I would think, a low risk um, there. Right. Yeah. I think you're you're on to something there. I don't think I've had that kind of purity in water. I will say every time I come back from a state like New York or Chicago, I come back to our tap water and I'm very sad. Oh, really? Yeah, because their water is straight out of the faucet is so good 
I I think L.A. Water's totally nope. fine. Nope, it's not. It's not. Well, it I is don't know. not. You've got to filter that crap. I guess we it, do. We do filter it. Yeah. Well, we yeah. You it is. But not our good. water quality is pretty good. It's good. I don't want to sound ungrateful. We can drink our water, and some people can't. You know what I mean? Like out of the out of sure. the faucet, we can drink our water. Sure. It, but our water doesn't originate from here, and so it's it's and our pipes and stuff. Anyway, it's just so many different things. We don't have a lot of healthy tap water, and uh, the taste reflects that. I think. Um, but New York, like it's straight out of the Hudson, and it tastes fucking great. I don't think the Hudson itself is a very good source. I don't know. Whatever their water is, is really good. It's, well, that's, and, why, that's why they say that the pizza, if you want to make New York style pizza, you have to have the water. But I think when you get the water to L.A., it still doesn't taste. It, I think the changes, the climate changes the water. I do. I think so. I anyway, know. I was talking about this exactly. I actually, I got to have real, real Chicago style pizza this oh, last week. Oh, deep dish. No. No. So real st- Chicago-style pizza is thin crust. Oh. Which no one would know that. So my argument is that's not real-style Chicago pizza. Well, unless you're from Chicago, and then you know. And then you know. So deep dish is part of the city's culture, but this thin but this, was crust it good? cracker. Was it, good? it was so delicious. Yeah, yeah. It was very good. Yeah. Um, so I also make pizza. You do. You do I, just, I just thought I'd make it about me for a second. Don't you just to help bring it back around? I don't want to talk about pizza. I just wanted to like make it about me. Well, I mean that goes hit like yes. Let's talk about let's talk about the the best meals you've ever made. Well, um, well water. Gosh, I mean, one time, many years ago. She looks like she is in euphoria right now. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's different things that I have made where I've gone. That turned out good. Mm-hmm. And then you try to make it again. And whatever the circumstances were, it's still good, but it wasn't that first time good. It's not the same thing. And I yeah. used to make a bagna calda pizza where you'd take the garlic and you'd roast it in oil with anchovies for a long time in the oven until everything was all soft and squishy together. And then you'd put that on your pizza dough and put uh, Parmesan on top. I was going to guess Parmesan. That. And the first time I made that, some alchemy happens where, like, the I'm salivating. Some alchemy happens where, like, the oil and the garlic and the anchovies kind of crystallize in the crust. So there's, like, this, like, crunchy extra thing that happened. It was so, so good. Um, many years ago, my mom and I did an Iron Chef competition where we had some of my parents' friends judge I won by half a half a point. Oh my god! Because um, your mom is an excellent. My mom's an excellent cook. Yeah. It was quite a feast. It was battle cheese, and <laughs> I just knew that if I if I went comfort food, people would really respond. Mm. And my mom went a little healthier, and mm. so I kind I just I didn't I just didn't hold back, and I made I took chicken thighs, uh, and I deboned them. And then I stuffed them with blue cheese, and then I wrapped them into like a little bundle, and then I fried that, and I put that on a tower of 
uh, goat cheese, mashed potatoes, and peas. And it was like a little, I made it in like a little biscuit cutter cookie cookie dough thing. So it was Come little... the fuck on right now. And it was so good. Amanda. It was so good. And I just thought of it in the moment as you're supposed to. I've never, I'd never thought about putting Oh, so you didn't know it was going to be cheese. You didn't know what. Well, so what we did, because we're not expert, you know, we're not professional chefs, is we knew it was either going to be corn, apples, or cheese. I see. So we were able to go shopping for our ingredients that we might want to use should we get any of those things. Gotcha. Um, That is so amazing. That sounds so fun. But the cheese, the cheese was all picked out by... Uh, Brandon and my father, they went and they, they filled a cooler with cheese and then they went battle cheese and they opened the cooler <laughs> and there's a video. I think we're going to have to use, you should share that. You should come over and just watch it. Sometime. I'll do that. Oh, yeah. that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, we'll eat cheese. I did or vegan give up, cheese. Well, no. So I did give up the vegan in Chicago, but I'm oh, coming, right, I came back. Pizza. It's just, it was just a little too much to like navigate. And mm-hmm. so I just relinquished and did a little pescatarian and sure, sure. um and then I've come back to vegan land mm-hmm. and that's okay but mm-hmm. you know huh. it is it is one of those things where now I'm like we can you know eat bagna called a pizza with no cheese at all. Well, you can also get vegan parmesan, which is not bad. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. And then it. I let's put it this way: everyone really shits on. Vegan cheese, it's not a bad experience. There's some... As long as nobody shat on it. Well, there's a good point If there. there's poop on your vegan cheese, don't eat it. I don't think it's vegan anymore. If you poop if on it? somebody poops on it. Because it's a byproduct? Yeah. But the person can consent. Unless the person who pooped is vegan, right? No, no, I think... No, because then it's still out of the body. No, but that, that's just it. If someone could, like, if a cow could consent to give you their milk, that's a little bit different. Yeah. A cow can't consent to, yeah, you know what? Fucking milk me and keep me pregnant for, you know, the entirety of my life. That's the real messed up part of it. Right, right, right. Like, right, right. and I'm not trying to get all high horse about it. There are no, things. You're high, you're high cow. I'm high. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Amanda. All right. What, what would you like no, to talk no. about next? Great. No, no. It's great. You're but right. You, but no, you, no, no. I'm just saying. We can talk about that more. We don't. There's nothing more to talk about. Um, I mean, we may have utterly exhausted it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one for hoof. Is there one for hoof? I mean, there could be. You are a pun. You are a pun queen for I just, sure. I just like. I just like words. You are very good with words. It is one of your um, standout qualities. You're an excellent improviser all the way around. But nice. you, your standout quality is to always find the metaphor and the wordplay in the suggestion or the theme of the the thing that we're improvising. You really mm-hmm. do do that well. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, You're for welcome. me, that just makes it, that's just, that's a, that's a uh, structured, a structured um, point on which I can hold on to it within the improv. So for me, for me, it's very like, 
like, I don't know. It's a, it's a thing that I go to, to do. Well, is, is, cause you're without what was a suggestion. Let's bring that back in, you know, cause, because I, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to go to plot. I don't want to go, you know, so, but thanks. Well, yeah, I think just in the same way, I always know I can go to the emotion well. And the emotion is a really good place to go. It's a good place to go. But it keeps me grounded and in the story. If I I can just at least connect emotionally. Because sometimes, it hasn't happened to me in a while, but I haven't been on stage either. Sometimes you're like floating out in improv and you are without a net. and, And so you do need to go back to that Kansas well water of yep. knowledge. Right. And rely on something that you can do. But it always, mm. every time someone walks away from one of our shows, like Allison Constanti would go, oh my God, I can't believe Amanda did that. Like it's, it, it's so very memorable. It's, oh it's a very, it's a very awesome thing. Thank you, Jessica. Um, how would you say mm. improv has changed you or informed you as a person? Um, well, improv is, I mean, I've been improvising for a really long time. Right. And I think it's just the same, it's the other side of that, that same coin that I was talking about, about the, um, the drive forward versus the staying present. So improv is, is one of those things that reminds you to listen and to be um, interested in what you're doing now because what you're doing in the future, you have no idea what that's going to be. And so in improv, you also can't play for the future. You can only play for what's happening here. And if you start planning in your head, like in three scenes, I'm going to do this, then you know that the scenes leading up to it are going to be weird because you aren't going to be listening at all. And it's the same thing in life where it's like, you know, if you say like in 10 years, I'm going to be on a TV show. And then in te- during those 10 years, you end up doing a bunch of, I don't know, tap dancing and aquatic studies. And then in 10 years, you're like, I didn't, I didn't achieve my dream. And I don't know what I was doing with those 10 years. It's like, well, that's too bad. You missed all those penguins that you've been swimming with. Did you follow? I followed it exactly. My life was, oh, I do improv now. And all I have, <laughs> I have all these friends now. Yeah. Like, I didn't know, I didn't, I knew I wanted to act, but I just didn't know this was a detour. Improv yeah. was a detour. Yeah. But that became my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think especially the style that we all ended up doing with the long form, uh, that became very very much a central part of our social lives as, uh, along with our artistic lives. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to use it wherever I can. My friend Kiff Vanden Heuvel said something along the lines of, That's an amazing name. I know. If it ain't rough, it ain't right. And I think about that almost all the time when I'm doing, right? Like, I don't I think I understand. I want to I wanna hear If it ain't rough, it ain't right. Well, it might mean something different to you than it means to me, but to me it means if I'm feeling, and this is back to acting, if I'm feeling the emotion and I'm driven by my want and I'm connected with my scene partner and I stumble some words, it's still the right take. It was rough because I was there in it. It was real and messy, right? 
and that messiness is that place where like the really interesting stuff comes from um because however you messy your way through something is going to be so different from how anybody else does it if it's perfect then anyone could you know like i don't know like now at uh whatever let's say now at michael's get a deal on yarn you know like everyone can like copy that like commercially sound but right. they don't want that they want jessica and verdi to come in and be like i mean now marshall's you can get yarn half price you know right. like this kind of right. like discovery that you can do with your voiceover that's completely different from how i would do it right that's what they want so i think about if it ain't rough it ain't right and that, that, that to me is sort of huh. and i don't know even if that's what he meant by it but that just sort of clicked for me and again, it was one of those things that helped me back off from perfectionism. Right. To go like, actually, this is interesting. It took me a very long time to understand that as well. So I was what I was getting to with what I was self-deprecating about um, <laughs> being self-centered and how you had mentioned being aware of these things that your penchants towards, let's say, perfectionism or achievement or whatever was the, like a step in helping you to, you know, dismantle mm-hmm. that importance for you. When I started becoming aware of, oh, Jessica, you talk a lot as opposed to ask people questions. I would like put myself in the corner of the room, watch my me do that as opposed to stop and like beat myself up about it. The more aware I would become, the behavior would change. Yeah. So it is one of those things that I grew out of. And I needed improv similarly because all I wanted, I still have not finished paintings because they are not perfect. But the more you make something perfect in art, the less it is your art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't right. mean you don't have a competency. It doesn't mean you don't have techniques or you didn't learn from a school. But the brush strokes that I'm trying to perfect mm-hmm. are the things that make it invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard to accept for some people. Your natural voice is your most interesting voice in voiceover. I hardly send in takes where it's like, I'm perfect. Can I do that? Sure. I don't want to. I I never do. Right. Unless that's the character. I mean, truly. Right. But also my agent understands me enough to not send me. Yeah. You don't get those. Yeah. Um, One of the, my favorite things that Isla has made is uh, a shirt that says, um, make mediocre art with alarming frequency. <whistles> Have you seen that one? I think I've heard the phrase before. I know she's worn that shirt. Um, but yeah, great, great, great phrase. And Neil Gaiman has something about that too of like, yeah, just keep, you're just going to suck for a long time. Just keep doing it. And eventually, eventually you won't suck, but you'll keep doing it and you'll keep getting better and you know, just keep going. Just keep well, doing it. Do it again. Time. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Make more. Make more. Make more. Don't get stuck in never finishing something because it's not what you wish it were. It probably will never be that. Um, Isla also it has a productivity that's inhuman, to be fair. Because, because she just gets it done you do that too though you know that Jessica, right uh you're like not a, i'm not gonna const- do this well hold on i've talked to her about it 
where she's like, I hate sleeping because I feel like I should be doing work in that time frame. Oh, but you love sleeping. I love sleeping. Sleeping is great. I can get shit done, but then I hit a wall and then I don't want to do stuff for a while. And that's, And and I'm okay with that. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm okay with that. I mean, sometimes I might lament it because I'm like, ooh, should I be making a little more money right or whatever you know Mm. every time like the the shit's about to hit the fan i Mm. jump to the occasion pretty well i don't have the energy that isla has to continually go and i'm not disparaging what my capability is i'm just saying she has a different different she's a different kind of drive yeah and i am a big proponent of rest and stopping yeah yeah i love i love to stop my day and go oh i'm not going to do any more work today (laughs) it's the best I, but but I had to decide that I had to decide that for myself many years ago, because I would never know when to stop. And then I and then I decided, okay, at you know sometimes it, it, it's arbitrary time for me. Lately, it's like five five thirty. I go, okay, my work is done today, unless there's something that comes up and I have to do like a let a late night audition or something like sure. that. Sure, and you but, and when you get those, you're galvanized. You ha- you have you want to do it. But for, for a long time, in order to be okay with stopping, I would have to go back through my day and write down what I did, so I would know that I did something. And I think this is a big plight of the self motivated hmm. artist. Uh, you know, I think if you have a nine to five type job, you know, that a a nine to five job that maybe even satisfies you, then you may have that good closure on both ends, but you might not. Like, let's say you are driven by your work and you take it home with you, you know? So then when does your day end? So I think it's all about finding that, that sweet balance. And for me, I know that if I get rest, and downtime, I'm better at the rest of it. And I do what I love to do actually more efficiently. And so it, it pays dividends for me. To and do that. you get to, ha- you, I think my major takeaway from this little time with you mm-hmm. is um, you're really living. <laughs> I'm trying. It's, yeah. You're not trying, you're actively doing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. But, but but I am trying. You know, like, yes, yes, yes. It's a practice, you know what I mean? just like most it's things. It's a practice, yeah. yeah. And you'll fall off of it. And you'll fuck, something else will take yeah. your attention later, and you'll forget to be in the moment. And But I don't know how it's how you can do it any other way. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems, it just seems, sounds to me like you're in a pretty interesting and nice place with yes. the balance of everything. Thank you. Thank you. I unfortunately think this is a great place to stop, too, because you're talking about stopping. It's a good place to stop. We did it. If you could impart one message to our audience, whether it's relative to what we were talking about or not, what would it be? Um, One of the really nice little bits of information that was in this 4,000 Weeks book, I believe the author got it from someone else, too. So this is a real telephone mm-hmm. version of this um do unto others it, no <laughs> fart on jessica um no um <laughs> the, my best uh, friend's kids do too um if you are inspired to do something good go ahead and do it now don't wait to do the good thing. Mm. So if you get the impulse 
to just say thanks in a quick email to someone that did something nice for you. Go ahead, send that email. Don't don't go, you know what, though, maybe they appreciate a card better. And, you know, I need to work on that. And because the thanks sent now means more than the thanks never sent. The donation made to a group that needs your money now versus you thinking, oh, I need to figure out if that's the best one. You know, this group protects squirrels, but what if I really want to protect porcupines? You know, just do it now. Um, do the good thing now. Because I think doing little good things frequently adds up to more goodness. And we need that. And it's also like patentedly proved that it's healthier for you to be kind to others than it even benefits other people. So like you're you're almost doing yourself a favor by yeah. following. I love that. I will actually take that into stronger consideration because I too... <laughs> Go, like, I'm actually, you know, knowing I'm bad at wishing people birthdays, I wished Kelly Loman a happy belated birthday. And I was glad that I did it. Yeah, because what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, really? She said, Is she, go- she, she said, thank you. She said, happy belated birthday to you. Because yeah. she didn't wish me a happy birthday See? 10 days earlier. Yeah. So it's all good. It's all good in the hood. I just think you're special. I'll have you back when Nick's back on because I okay, think that'll great. be some fun I stuff to be, talk about. That'll be some silly fun times. There. I think so too. Yeah. Um, Amanda, I just love you to pieces and I, I look pieces. forward to loving you forever. And when mm-hmm. I talk to my boyfriend who's a smoker, I tell him about. Ooh. I know. I tell him about you telling Tisk. me. He's, he's working on it. Okay. To his credit, he's working on it. Yeah. Uh, it's way more socially acceptable in Chicago than yeah. you would imagine. Tis. 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 But Tis. I, ta- Tis. I talk often about how one of my closest friends wanted to make sure I was going to end up on a porch with her at, at yeah. an old age. I would, sh- I, would, I would send Jessica pictures of old women sitting on porches, and I'd be like, that could be us. It's not going to be if you keep smoking. on smoking. It's the worst. <laughs> it was the worst, but it was really effective. Um, I love you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. I love you too. Bye. Bye. That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verney merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're not already, consider becoming a Patreon member. You can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner. Go to patreon.com slash you don't know Nick. And if you haven't already, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols.